PerformerStuff.com presents In the Holding Room with Christian Abbott. Hi, everyone. I'm Christian Abbott, and you are In the Holding Room, the place that you have to be before you head into the audition room. We are continuing our Princess Month here in the Holding Room. If you haven't listened to our previous episodes, either on Princess Month or episodes before that, make sure you're checking out PerformerStuff.com for the complete archives so you can watch and listen to these episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss one single episode. But this is Princess Month. These are iconic Broadway roles that can only be landed by incredibly talented people who crushed their auditions. And they're all being featured this month. As mentioned before, back in May, Disney Princess the Concert was announced. Now, I can't wait for the show to come around. They're hitting 84 separate cities and some phenomenal talent are taking the stage. And we are interviewing those women on this episode or this month on the show. So make sure you're listening to all of them. And I'm going to be back in just a moment to introduce you to our next Broadway princess. Performer Stuff was created to meet the needs of folks just like you, performers, educators, and professionals in the entertainment industry. At Performer Stuff, you can search our online store for monologues and music for your next audition or to use in your classroom. On our More Good Stuff blog, you can access hundreds of articles and how-to lists created just for you by industry professionals. There are dance and voice classes and workshops at PS Academy. Plus, you can download podcasts and shows just like this one, featuring performers and entertainment pros from around the world. Basically, it's an online community just for you. So check out the website at performerstuff.com or follow us on social media. Today in the holding room, we are thrilled to have a woman who made her Broadway debut by auditioning in front of millions of people. Yeah, she was in the NBC TV series, Grease, You're the One That I Want. And in this reality TV show, the contestants auditioned each week as the grand prize was the star in a Broadway musical. Well, she won, and she starred as Sandy in Grease on Broadway. She then went on to portray the role of Nellie Forbush in Lincoln Center's critically acclaimed South Pacific. She also created the role of Bonnie in Bonnie and Clyde on Broadway, for which she was nominated for a Tony Award. She played Hope in Anything Goes, starring Sutton Foster and Joel Gray, and she received an Outer Critics Circle Award nomination, a Drama Desk Award, and an Astaire Award nomination for Excellence in Dance. She also starred as a title role in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, for which she received another Tony Award nomination. And we also saw her as Julia in Bandstand. That's just a few of her theatrical credits. She's performed all over in concerts with amazing symphonies and orchestras. She's got television and movie roles. She's on like nine cast albums and has two solo albums. Please welcome, in the holding room, the incredibly kind, and amazingly talented, Laura Osnes. Laura Osnes, it is wonderful to be talking to you today. How you doing? Hi, Christian. I'm so good. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm actually in a really great mood. Just reading more and more articles about Disney Princesses, the concert. You know, taking the nation like 83 cities. You got planned to 84, 84 cities. cities. 84, 84 cities. 84 cities. We're so excited. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. And I love the photo in your background. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. exciting. Oh <laughs> uh, no, we can't wait to see it. As I as I've mentioned before, uh, we're going to go see it in St. Petersburg. I I uh, recommend everybody check out the website. We'll put a link in that in the show notes and some great opportunities to get backstage as well to meet all of you. So absolutely, we have some VIP packages. You can come to sound check. You can get a photo op. Um, yeah, we're really excited about it. You know, you have a really interesting situation where I think we all have our role models growing up, right? Um, I, I certainly, when I went to the theater or when I went to the movies or watching movies at home, there were those dancers and guys that I said I wanted to be like. You're one of those women. I don't know what that feels like, but I mean, like I know that there are people who have enjoyed your shows that you know, they are, they are moved to take class, to study, because they saw you perform. Mm -hmm. And I want to congratulate you on that. I want to congratulate you on the concert, but we're so looking forward to theater getting back open again and seeing you perform live on stage. So congratulations with everything. 
Thank you. Thanks for saying that. It really is. It's crazy. I've started teaching a lot during this pandemic and doing like Zoom classes and things like that. And it is, it's cool to see all the girls who like want to sing songs that I've gotten to put on a cast album. Like I grew up listening to Broadway cast albums and now I'm the voice on several of them. And it really is kind of a, a pinch me moment. You know, women I looked up to, same thing, people I looked up to so much have become colleagues of mine that I've either worked with or crossed paths with, you know, in New York, Sutton Foster, Kelly O'Hara, you know, um, Susan Egan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really, uh, yeah, I, I pinch myself every day. It's been a really, really incredible, exciting journey. Well, let's talk about how it all began, you know, here in the holding room, this is where you have to come before you head into the audition room. So I would love to talk about your time through the audition process, but you have a really unique situation in that your Broadway debut came from a nationally televised TV show. I mean, yes, Greece, you're the one that I want. You ended up winning that national TV show to star in Greece on Broadway. It's probably not an experience that a lot of our listeners will have themselves, but one that I think we could all learn from. Thanks. Yeah, it was it was a crazy experience. I first found out about it in the newspaper. I was actually playing Sandy in a production of Greece in Minnesota, where I'm from, at a dinner theater there. And uh, I just had this like, well, if I'm doing it here, it's it was a reality show to cast the leads of Sandy and Danny in Greece on Broadway. And I was like, Broadway has always been my dream. I think that's why I did it, because Broadway was the prize. Um, I, I was never really interested in auditioning for like American Idol or anything else. Like this was the first Broadway reality show. And I, and I remember writing a letter to my director of the show I was doing at the time and saying, I'm feeling like I should do this, but obviously I'm in your show right now. Like it would require me taking a weekend off. Would you, is that, would that be okay? Would you ever consider letting me go? And he said, yeah. And so I got the green light. I booked wow. my flight, my husband or my boyfriend at the time. It was only, I was dating my husband <laughs> when this all happened and his sister lived in Pasadena. So we flew out to LA and stayed with her and auditioned. I stood in line with like thousands of people. I kept making it past the next level. And I had to call my director back and be like, I have to stay another day. The dance calls tomorrow. And um, and then I ended up leaving that production early in Minnesota to move to LA and compete in the live shows every week. Um, and, and yeah, and we, we, there were, I think there were like seven weeks of live episodes that aired on NBC singing for my survival and America calling in and voting and ended up winning that competition. And that cast me as Sandy and Grace on Broadway when I was 21. I mean, I think of the nerves that I had going into an audition room for, small shows, big shows, but then having cameras on you as you audition and having the entire nation, you know, millions of people watching you audition for a show that must, I mean, that, that's a whole different level of nerves there. But that first audition, the, the first time you walked in, let's yeah. talk about that's because that's an experience that a lot of people can have, you know, whether they're auditioning, you know, so let's break that down for a moment. What did you, what did you wear to that first audition and what did you yeah. sing? Um, you know, there is like footage, there's like moments of like, hi, I'm Laura Osses. My number was, I think it was like 3099 or something like that. And I was like, there's, it's part of my, like, my like montage package All right. you know, video stuff that they showed on the show. And so um, I wore a, just like a black top that had like a little like tie you know, thing. And then like a pink, like a bubblegum pink, uh, like skirt, like knee length skirt. Um, so it was black and pink. It was kind of pink ladies esque. Um, I was, you know, like I said, I was currently playing the role of Sandy. I think I wore my hair in like a half up and like curly, um, and just like black heels. It was pretty basic, pretty Midwestern, nothing too flashy, <laughs> but nodding toward the character. Yeah. And I like that. We, we talk about that uh, on the show here. People have mentioned they give a nod to the character or to the genre or to the time period, but they don't go too costumey. So, so that exactly. first time we saw you on TV, that was your first audition. So, okay. So yeah. you, you there, a, there a, was, there was one, we had to sing for like a producer in a box like in like a tiny room once. And once you made it past that level, then you were for the judges and those were televised, yeah. Okay. And then you sang a little bit of Sandy from Greece, if I remember correctly, is that right? I did, yeah, okay. I did the Sandra D reprise. Yeah. 
which is that like Sandy, you must start anew. That one at the at yeah. the very end. Goodbye to Sandra D. You get a little bit of that money note in there. <laughs> yeah. So was that risky? I mean, singing a song for the character you're going out for. Some people would advise against singing that song, but you you went for it. Here's the thing. I think for the reality show, because it was a reality show, they said pick a grease song. Oh, okay. I think we had to, um, but that is rare. You're right. Typically you, you wouldn't sing something from the exact show you're going in for. If you're going in for an open call, once I moved to New York, I got, I ended up getting an agent about six months into my year long run of Greece and started going in on auditions, but because I had an agent, I had an appointment. So I was given material directly from the show. So I've been lucky that I, that was the Grease show was really the like only like New York open call I ever really went to because after I moved to New York, I had an agent and then I was getting specific appointments and given material from the show. Almost all the time I'm given material from the show that I am specifically supposed to learn and maybe bring my book if they if they want me to if they want to see something else. I don't know how many people, but there was lines around the block for that. I mean, thousands yeah, they of in four different cities yeah. um, and and yeah, I, there, I think there were at least, I was 309. If I was 3099, I would say there was probably between like somewhere between like three and 5,000, maybe in each city. So potentially maybe 20,000 at the most who auditioned. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So what else about that audition process? Did you maybe learn about yourself, learn about your confidence or, you know, even learn about your marketability, really. I mean, because that's what you're doing. You're marketing your ability to those casting directors. Yeah. It was interesting because it was before the time of social media, which I think was a blessing, to be honest. I wasn't, I also didn't have to worry about people hating on me on, on social media or loving or whatever. Like that wasn't really part of the game yet. This was 2007. And um, they gave us each a color that we had to wear every week. So I was yellow and a nickname. So I was small town Sandy, because I was from Minnesota, Minneapolis, not a small town, not but a small town. <laughs> it, it was Midwestern. And I actually think that helped me speaking of markability. I think that helped me relate to the, all the people in middle America who were watching mm -hmm. this show that I was like the mid, I was the Midwestern girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I think, you know, being branded in the color yellow ended up being fine for me. I look okay in yellow, like with my dark hair, my blue eyes, like it was all right. Um, but I, I think that, that, helped people kind of decipher which Sandy they was their favorite. Sure. Um, and I was really lucky. I was never in the bottom two um, who had to sing off, who had to have a sing off every week. If you were in the bottom two, you had to have a sing off and then the judges could save a person. And I never was in that position. However, I do think I started as the underdog. I was not conventional as far as my look goes for Sandy. Um, and I, they, the TV show made it appear like I was kind of the last one to be saved into the top six. Um, and, and so I, I did feel like I had a lot to prove and everybody was amazingly talented, but I remember feeling like all I could do was be the best version of myself. I didn't try to like plow to the front of the line when we were learning dance stuff and like, and really, you know, try too hard to get myself in front and prove that I had something to offer. I was like, I'm going to be great in the second to last row and hopefully catch their eye. Yeah. You know, and I, so I feel like the fact that I wasn't like thirsty for it, but I am competitive <laughs> and I did, and I did want to do well, but I didn't, I, I let myself ha have, be kind of the underdog and have this like upward spiral instead of, I feel like a lot of the girls like started at the top and then had to like maintain that position the whole time, which is mm. almost harder. Yeah. Um, so I, however that went, that it was so divine and meant to be that every week my performances I think got stronger and stronger and my confidence did build. I was, I was nervous. I had never done anything on TV before. I've grew up doing theater my whole life, but I had very, I no TV experience. So that was new for me. The cool thing about the, I tried not to think about the, you know, millions of people potentially watching on TV. We had a studio audience of about 250 people. And so that felt normal to me and sure. that felt like i'm just going to perform for these people right here like yes there are cameras but and then like my my parents my family took turns coming out every week to support so i always had someone in the audience there that i knew was loving and, and cheering me on but really crazy experience like i we grew from you know 
again, wearing my, whatever I had in my closet to then like them dressing us every week and like designer cute outfits and a great yellow outfit after great yellow outfit. And then we got spray tans and I'm, I'm wearing, I'm doing lashes for the first time, having my hair and makeup done every week. Like I had never, I had never had that happen to me before. So yeah. I learned. <laughs> yeah. You learn, I mean, you learn from some industry pros, right? So to, yeah. to be able to take that uh, away was is probably a fascinating opportunity. Yeah, like Kathleen Marshall was one of the judges and she's a, you know, Tony Award winning director of choreography and she she was the director of Grace. So she saw she saw that whole process for me and then, you know, 3 years later cast me in Anything Goes on Broadway again because she directed that. So it's all about those connections. Georgia Stitt was our music director, Jason Robert Brown's wife. So I met Georgia doing the Grace reality show. Like so yeah, it was, there were a lot of really cool connections, you know, to have been made during that time as well. You, you mentioned a couple of things. I want to go back to you, like not pushing your way to the front to learn, like just being yourself, playing it cool, because in a situation like that, I mean, of course, the trying to win and land the role is amazing, but people who didn't win that show still went on to have amazing opportunities. Absolutely. So the people that are in that room, like the people you just mentioned, okay, maybe you didn't win, but they still saw you day after day. They saw your professionalism. They saw your work ethic. They saw the kind of person that you are. So maybe even if you didn't win this, those people would have still been able to provide you with some amazing opportunities. So it's not always worth pushing and elbowing and scratching and clawing your way to the top. That's so true. And I think that's true of any audition, really. That's exactly it. It's like, maybe you're not perfectly right for this particular role um, or you don't end up getting it, but those same people are going to be casting tons of other things. <laughs> and eventually the stars will align and you will be exactly right for whatever they're casting. So do a great job at every audition you do and show up and you're right. Prove yourself and be like, hey, I'm talented. I'm willing to work hard. If I'm not a right fit for this role, hopefully I will be down the line. And that has, that's definitely happened to me as well. When you look back at that entire experience now, what are your what are your big takeaways from from that? <laughs> um, well, a I'm really grateful it made my dream come true. Like I said, I wanted to be on Broadway since I was five years old, and that put me on the map. And I never guessed I would my path to Broadway would be via a reality TV show. By the time I was 21 years old. Um, you know, you always think you're like, yeah, you hope I'm going to make it. And then maybe I'll audition and maybe I'll get in the ensemble. And then maybe I'll, someday I'll get to understudy a lead. And then maybe someday I'll get to play the lead. Um, and I, I skipped a lot of those steps. However, the reality show process is grueling and it, the, it's, it happened quickly, but it was a lot of stressor, stress, a lot of pressure. Um, uh, the competitive atmosphere, we all lived in a house together and, you know, if tensions are high for a lot for a long time and you're you're trying to just survive. <laughs> and I was so young, like I said, but it was probably good that I was naive. You know what I mean? It's like now that I've been on Broadway and been spoiled and know how <laughs> that I have my own dresser and all my things are made for me. And, you know, you get you get uh, you know accustomed to that. It's like it was good that I didn't know anything about how the, how the real world works. And I was just grateful to be there and for the opportunity and the exposure. You know, you mentioned something to me before, and I want to make sure that because it's such a great point uh, uh, that you had the courage to show up and do this. Hmm. You know, and I think that's when you look at your first cattle call, maybe before you have an agent or, you know, even before you have your equity card and you're doing regional productions and you're doing maybe really popular regional productions that there's going to be a big audition for half of the battle is having the courage to show up. And I love that you mentioned that to me before. And I just, I didn't want that to go unsaid. Thanks. Yeah, I, it, it, it was a big step, but it's like, you never know what the outcome might be. Like, what if I had never, what if I had never gone out there and I was destined to win that thing and, and my dream would come true. Um, I have to pay homage back to my theater in Minnesota and my director there who let me go. And I remember, but I, like I said, I remember feeling, there was something like in my heart that was like, you need to go do this. And so I just want to encourage any actor who has that, that pull. If you just take a moment and you, it sounds really cliche, like listen to your heart, or like follow your heart. Like it's so princessy, um, but it's real. That thing is real. And as actors, and I think intuitive people, we need to learn to follow our passion and then be ready 
when the opportunity presents itself. Like that was an opportunity that presented itself that if I was just, I didn't have the guts to go out there and I never gotten the permission or whatever, like who knows what could happen. And even if you don't book that job, like we just said, the people in the room are casting other things and now you've been in front of them. Now you're on their radar. Um, so I am just super grateful that those stars aligned and I had the, the courage, the opportunity, the green light from my circumstances and also in my spirit to be like, go, you need to do this. So take the leap and, and go and jump off the cliff and try it because you never know. You never know. (laughs) You could win a reality show and be on Broadway. (laughs) If you have a huge audition coming up and you don't want to search through the same old monologue books, check out performerstuff.com. Our custom search feature lets you narrow down exactly what you're looking for, get a quick preview of the monologue, then print it out. Plus, lots of materials come straight from the playwright, so you won't walk in with the same monologue as everyone else. It's the easiest way to get your audition or classroom monologues. Search, preview, print at performerstuff.com. Okay, well, seeing how the reality shows are few and far between for making it to Broadway, let's talk about maybe another audition that that you experienced. I mean, you were in a very high-regarded production of South Pacific at the Lincoln Center. Uh, what was that audition process like to land the role of, of Nellie Forbush in that in that show? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's a very interesting. Right, that was the next Broadway show I did after Greece, okay. and so I got to walk in the room with you know the the team going, Laura. Like, how is Greece going? Like, they knew who I was again because I I had I was on Broadway already. So um, I remember I had auditioned for several things for Telsey and Company, which is the casting agency that casts South Pacific, that I didn't get. So I was close to like two or three other Broadway things um, that didn't happen. And then they called me in for South Pacific. And I thought, my initial thought was, well, that's very nice of Telsey to call me in, but this is a total long shot to replace Kelly O'Hara. She's, I was 10 years, I'm 10 years younger than her. So I was 23 at the time. She's 33 and had just gotten pregnant. So they were seeking a replacement for her because she was, getting bigger and bigger by the day. And I was like, well, it's very nice of them to call me in, but like, this is never going to happen. I think for the audition, I had, they gave a big chunk of material. I think they gave like three scenes and three songs from the show. So it was like a packet of information. I hadn't seen the show yet, but my husband had just done a production of it actually in um, in North, in South Carolina. So I, I was familiar with it. And I had a friend who was, I shouldn't say this, who was able to get me a bootleg of the Broadway version. So I could at least kind of study, familiarize myself with Kelly's aura. I didn't want to copy her performance, obviously, but I don't want to walk in uneducated about the vibe of the show and the role. And so um, I I went in, I thought I did like a, a fine job. I was shocked to get a call back. I got a call back and I was like, wow, okay. And the callback was basically a work session with Bart Chair, the director. So I was in the room for like 35, 40 minutes and he was kind of throwing direction at me and giving me, you know, new ideas. I sang everything again, but it was mostly like scene work and just playing, playing for a while. And I was like, okay. So he was, you were reading sides with him and then he would ask you to maybe change the interpretation of your character or change, you know, the intent or. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Giving me direction, playing in the room, um, helping me grow and deep, you know, deepen my understanding of the character and yeah, spin a new intention in scenes and stuff like that. Um, and then I had got a third call back and they wanted me to come in and sing for the Rogers and Hammerstein estate. I had to be approved by everybody else. As you do. <laughs> for an r show. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And at that point I had heard it was down to three people. And I was just like, is this, am I real? Is this actually happening? Am I really in the final three? And there were like, I don't know if this is true. I still don't know, but I had heard like, this was a very coveted role, right? Like the show was, and that like, they had looked at Reese Witherspoon. They had looked at like actresses of that caliber to do this. And I was like, how am I here? What is happening? 23. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, But the, the third callback for the RNH folks, 
we, I basically presented all the material. No one gave me notes. No one said anything. I was expecting a little more of kind of the work. It was basically like, nope, what you learned at your work session now, prove it for these people. And I did all the material and that was it. They were like, okay, thank you. And I was like, all right, all right, that's done. How'd it go? (laughs) Um, And then Bart called me, the director called me and he said, Laura, we really love what you're doing. We didn't think we would go with someone this young. And can, do you mind coming back in one more time to read with Paolo Schott, who is playing the role of Emile Debeck and do a, essentially a, a chemistry test and make sure that it works because you're so young. And I said, sure, obviously. And I went back in and Paolo could not have been more gracious. He was so lovely. And, you know, he, for those of you that don't know, Paolo Schott is an amazing opera singer from Brazil. And he had just won the Tony Award for his performance um, as Emile. So I was completely intimidated. And he obviously does the show every night with Kelly O'Hara. And I walk in the room going like, I don't know the blocking. I don't know like what, you know, I don't know what they've created. And here I am just trying to like fit the bill. And he was so, he was just so gracious um, and handsome and charming and the whole deal. So we read, we did it, we read, I remember reading like the first scene. Um, And we did, I think, almost all of it. And at that point, I really am quite familiar with the material. Like, I'm off book at this point. I'm I'm not even holding the sides of my hand anymore. Um, And I think we maybe did one other scene or maybe sang. They really, the characters really don't sing together that much. Um, There's one line that they sing. uh, Otherwise, it's just, you know. And so that was it. It was pretty quick. And then I got the call the next day. The next day, my agent called and said, Laura, how would you like to wash your hair eight times a week on Broadway? And I was like, I just started like weeping, but I did feel like the cool thing about that is that I felt like I didn't get cast because I was a name from a TV reality show. I felt like I jumped through all the hoops and I really had to prove myself and thank God Bart and the team saw something in me that said, yes, she is, she is worthy of this. She is, she is ready for this. And um, that was the most, I feel like that really finally legitimized me in the Broadway community. Cause the reality show is amazing. It was cool. Put me on the mat, made my dream come true, but it kind of comes with a negative stigma as well that you, you still have to prove yourself beyond that. I mean, I didn't want to be just a one, a one hit reality show wonder. This is what I wanted to do with my life since I was five years old. Yeah, no, that's, that's, um, I don't know how I feel about that. Like that kind of breaks my heart that you thought that because you're so incredible, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they didn't need a name for this role. They had it. It was already successful. I mean, like you had to come in and maintain and carry this show that was already critically acclaimed. Right. And so for them, you're, you're so right for them to bestow that upon you. Like, no, you earned it. Like they don't need a name. They wanted the talent to, to hold the show and you crushed it. How long was that? Four auditions. How long of a process was that over how many days or weeks? It was because Kelly was pregnant and literally getting bigger by the moment and like costumes being taken out and stuff. They, it happened over two weeks. Okay. That, that whole process happened over the course of two weeks. And then I started rehearsal like ASAP. I was actually in a production. I had gotten cast in a production um, of, of Little Night Music in White Plains. And mm-hmm. I was on the second day of rehearsal for Little for Little Night Music. I was on my way to the second day of rehearsal when my agent called. And uh-huh. so I showed up at rehearsal that day, but then I was like, I'm going to be leaving your production. Fortunately, it's only two days in, so you can find someone new to replace me. But I start self-assent rehearsals in four days. Um, and then I had... I believe I had two and a half weeks of rehearsal too, with just like a, a stage manager mm. and a, the dance captain. Dance captain. And they like blocked the whole show with me and a table and a chair. That's all you really get. <laughs> um, and then Chris Catelli, choreographer, came in for like two days to teach me Honey Bun mainly was the, the that was the only really like choreography moment I really had. And then Bart came in for like four days at the end and um, Ted Sperling as well, who was the music director. Mm. Um, and they, they just really had like three days, three days with me at the very end of the process after I learned everything. And then I had one put in where the whole rest of the cast came and I was in costume and did everything, but they're all like in sweatpants. And then I did, did I have, I started the show with, without Paolo, without the actor playing Emil. 
Um, or maybe I, no, I, I started with David Pitzinger was my first Emil, um, because Paolo booked an opera gig that he was gone for the first month. So at least I had David too. I had a new Emil who had been in and out. He was kind of a, a like alternate, um, if Paolo had had things. And so David and I did get to rehearse, I think like four days together before, um, actually going in. But the first time with the orchestra, the first time with lights, is the night when is is when there's an audience there and you really learn like your strength as an actor to be able to like show up and be like the show will go on it's pretty crazy the show just goes on yeah (laughs) whether you're ready for it or not yeah and that's why i think it's important to really know your craft and you know that rehearsals don't end when you leave the rehearsal studio you have to live and breathe that because like you said opening night you know (laughs) lights are on music is playing and the cast is going and you got to keep up and so exactly (laughs) i wrote i wrote a couple of things down here while you while you were talking i i kind of want to come back to um you know you okay maybe you shouldn't have looked at a bootleg copy but hey you have to do the research right know who's in the room who's the creative team what's the vibe of the show or you know so if you have those things available then more power to you. You'll have to arm yourself with as much as you can. So I love that you've admitted that you 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 got a copy of it and you did what you could. And yeah. I think that's that's a really important part. And uh, a lot of pe- a lot of students are like, oh my gosh, I'm auditioning for Cinderella and I've seen your your movie and you've been such a or, you know, or a bootleg of it, same thing. Or I listened to the cast album, you've been such an inspiration. And I'm like, thank you. Let it be just an inspiration. And I encourage people to walk in the room and, and make it their own. I never want to feel like anybody needs to copy my rendition of it or someone else's rendition. I, it was so interesting because I, I remember feeling so young and inexperienced at the time and being a huge admirer of Kelly O'Hara. I loved what she did with the role. I didn't really want to come in and like reinvent the wheel. I was like, I need to pay homage to what she's done. And I'm, and I'm young and inexperienced. Um, and so I had a humility about that. You're right, that I wanted to do the research. And I remember walking in thinking I was giving my best version of a Kelly O'Hara-esque type performance. And one of my friends in the ensemble at intermission, when we stopped, this was during my put in. So when I'm like, just trying to put all the pieces together and everyone's in their sweatpants, uh, you know, came into the room and uh, told, told me in my dressing room, they were like, it is so exciting to have you here. It's so refreshing because you're so different. And I was like, I am, I'm different. I'm like kind of trying to be the same. Um, And so I would encourage anyone else who's listening to this too, like trust who you are and that because you are a different human being with different gifts and a different aura and a different personality, even if you try to do something the same or as similar as possible, you're just inherently going to have a difference about you and embrace that, embrace what that is because that is refreshing and that is exciting and that is awesome if you can be confident in what makes you unique. That's great. You also mentioned that you had a little workshop audition with the director and you had your sides and they were, you know, giving you, you know, different uh, inspirations or motivations and different character choices. And I think that's an opportunity there that we don't talk about very much in the audition prep, especially the callback prep where you do have sides and you do have material given to you to learn. Oftentimes we'll sit at home and we'll have, you know, our spouse or our parents or our friends read lines with us and we will have a character choice and we will be locked into that character choice and go into the audition with that. But then you have to be able to pivot if the director or casting director says, um, could you be more happy or actually, you know, let's be a little more confused or whatever they want to throw at you. So let, let's let's take a moment to think about that when preparing sides for our audition that maybe have the person reading completely change their character every time they read so that you can stay on your toes and be open to different character choices. So I love that you mentioned that. So good. I have learned that. I'm still learning that. I used to really pride myself on my consistency <laughs> every night. Like I say things the same way and I'm like, I'm consistent and it's good. It still feels fresh, but like, and I remember the last Broadway show I did, Bandstand, um, Corey Cott would switch things, my co-star would switch things up on me a, a lot. And in a great way, I like, I trust him. I love him. I trust him that we got to the point 
where it really felt different every night. And it was so fulfilling and fun and rewarding to actually live in the moment instead of feeling like we were doing the same thing every day and priding ourselves on the consistency. Like I, I feel like I'm only just beginning to learn that as an actress, that it should be a little, a little different every time. And I've started to do some TV film stuff in the last couple of years where it's like, we're doing different takes. And the part of, part of the reason you do different takes is so that you can give the editor options. It's not about doing it the same every take. Yes, there's something to say for continuity. Like if you're holding your hands the same way, you need to hold your hands the same way. But it's all about giving the editors something to play with in the editing room and doing things differently. So I'm only recently discovering um, the benefit of being open to that. And I agree. I'm like, make choices in your living room. Come in with options and choices of things you have in your brain that you want to do. But it is so important to be malleable and to be an actor who is who is like clay and you're like potter mold me create me yes i am here like and if you can bring some things to the table that's also helpful but you have to earn that place and the audition room is not necessarily the place to do it let the director have the authority in that moment and then if you get cast and you develop that relationship and that trust with the director and with your co-stars then it's like okay like i can start to speak up here um and have ideas and bring things to the table and it's it's a really beautiful that's what's so fun about what we do (laughs) totally Yeah. yeah Uh, Rhea Jones mentioned that she gets in the bones of her character. So when she was playing Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard, she said, I knew Norma Desmond so well, you could put her in any situation and I would know how to react. And I think that's what you, what you do, what you just talked about in Bandstand, where you, you knew that character so well and you trusted your co-star so much. Whatever you throw at me, I know how to react. And I, I think that's, that's beautiful theater when you see, when, when it happens. I'm gonna cry. Like I miss that. I miss that. And I do think those opportunities are maybe rare when you get to that point, like a Norma Desmond role, like, yeah, that you're going to have that in your bones. Cause she's such a, an icon, I think. Um, and I think it maybe depends on how, how long you develop the show, you know, bandstand two was like three years of my life. Bonnie and Clyde was three years of my life. We did it out of town for two years before finally coming to Broadway, the third year readings, workshops, labs, you know, different renditions where you do really get to know these characters and what a, what a blessing. It's not just a community theater thing where you're like, you know, doing a revival that's been done a hundred times and you have, you know, a a few weeks of rehearsal and four performances. You really, if you get to do this long run and have a great role to play, you do really get to sink your teeth and your heart into it. It's a gift. Now, okay. Sandy, Nellie, Bonnie, Bandstand, like these are, these are roles that are leading ladies that have leading men. And you just talked about going into an audition for your fourth audition was a chemistry test. And that, I mean, how do you prepare for a chemistry test? Because a lot of the roles that you had, I mean, like Sandy and Danny, you know, Nellie and and Emil, like, uh, uh, you know, Christine Phantom, you know, whatever, whatever role it is, like these leading ladies have to have chemistry. So is there anything for those final callbacks where maybe you're reading sides with, you know, the, your counterpart to, to stay in the moment, to be aware, to make sure that your chemistry is aligned so you can land the gig? That's a great question. Chemistry. Does it make sense? Does that question make sense? I mean, it does, but it's one of those things that it's like, how do you teach chemistry? Yeah. How do you like, how do you like cultivate it in the moment or teach someone that? I feel like I'm fortunate in that I I did find my real life love. So I know what love feels like. I got married when I was 21. So right during the Greece thing, actually, we were engaged and then got married right before I moved to New York to do Greece. So um, we're our, actually our wedding anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, 40 years. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Thanks. So like, I think being a human who you pull from your life experience, right? Like, yes, we're all about putting our, putting our feet in someone else's shoes. And it's not like I'm exactly like all the characters I've played, but you find the humanity in them all. And from experiences that you've been through in your life, like, and that's how, you know, how to feel things. Um, And so thankfully I, I am in love and know that feeling have been in love, know what it's like to fall in love. Um, which I feel like is very important to bring to the table. Um, you know, all these young kids like are trying to sing love songs. I'm like, okay, so have you ever been in love? <laughs> Maybe let's just 
let's let's yeah anyways so um so i think that's important to bring to the table i think being a, a human and an actor who is open and i have also worked with actors who have made it all about them and that's hard so i'm like try to be a non-selfish actor which is hard for actors. We like to look at ourselves in the mirror. We like to get the applause for ourselves. Make it about the other person. Yeah. And this you, is something I've learned. You, well, you just mentioned earlier when you went into that audition, you know, that, that you, you brought that humility with you because he had just won the Tony Award for that role. And I think being that humble, being, bringing humility into the room, you know, will help show people that you're willing to absorb, you're willing to learn, um, and it's not all about me. So I think, I love yeah. that you mentioned you bring that real life with you. I mean, we, we know what love is, whether it's with our parents or with somebody we've fallen in love with, and we know what heartache is, even if it's junior high heartache from the Ooh. Halloween dance in seventh Use grade. It. Use <laughs> it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. And, and, and again, and, Paolo, I remember that audition because Paolo, even though he could have been completely entitled, still made the audition about me. And he like, and I felt that. I remember still to this day, I mentioned it earlier, not even knowing we were going to go back to this story. I remember feeling that as the 23-year-old going like, he could not have been more gracious. He helped me look good for my audition and he didn't have to do that. I was the one just trying to live up to what he probably expected from Kelly O'Hara every night. And who am I to walk in the room? So, um, yeah, I, I think it's about making it about the other person and just being open. And I do, I, I've been really fortunate. I've played opposite, like every amazing, like Broadway dream leading man. I've been so fortunate and blessed to work with so many amazing actors and human beings that I've had very good friendships and relationships with those guys in real life. So I I do think that does come into play where it's like, if you can have just a trust and a rapport with them as people, that's going to show on stage. You also mentioned earlier that, you know, a casting director may not cast you. You might not be perfect for this role. You might not land the job, but you got the job at a little night music. You had to leave two days into rehearsal. So you think about the woman who did get the job after you had to turn it down. She probably had a moment of rejection, you know, but then only to find out that, no, I actually am able to book the gig now. But had she taken it personally, lashed out, you know, about not getting the role, maybe she wouldn't have gotten the call. So you never know when that call is going to take place. And I love that you mentioned you had to give up a production because what you did is you gave an opportunity to another performer who thought they weren't successful. Right. You know, so you never know. (laughs) You never know. And actually that, that favor was returned to me for my next Broadway show. Anything goes, uh, there is an actress that had been cast who in negotiations, they fell through. And then they were immediately seeking a new person. And Kathleen, who had worked with me on Greece, called me in. And I knew they had, I knew they were seeing, it wasn't just me, they were seeing a few girls. Um, But I flew in from Florida because I was doing Bonnie and Clyde in Florida at the time. I flew in on a Monday and auditioned for Anything Goes. And part of me, I have to be honest, was thinking, what am I gonna do in the room that Kathleen hasn't already seen me do? She saw me through the whole Greece reality process. She saw that come true. She directed me in Greece and I did Greece for a year. And I'm like, what? I don't know what else I can prove in the in the room. I'm not saying I need an offer. I'm offer only. I wasn't saying that, but I was like, I don't know. So I went to that audition. I read with Colin Donnell, who was cast as Billy, because like I said, like everything was cast and done. This actress that it had fallen through. I read with Colin. I felt good about it. They said, Laura, can you stay outside for a minute? And I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I stayed outside. And then Jim Carnahan, casting director, came out like five minutes later. And was like, actually, Laura, we're good. You're, you're good. You can go. And I was like, oh. And then literally like an hour later, I was across the street at Starbucks. My husband met me to be like, how did it go? And I was across the street at Starbucks and I got the call with the offer, like minutes after I left the thing. So I was like, okay. So like someone else just had to approve. Kathleen probably had me in mind and someone else had to approve. And um, that it's, but it's because someone else, it's because someone else who was cast for whatever reason fell through. She, I don't know if she booked something else or what ended up happening. And in I walked. I'm going to use this as a little segue. It's a small world after. Oh, my, forget about it. It's a small world. You got to behave yourself. You got to, you got to do right by people. I mean, talent will, will, 
will get you noticed, but your work ethic and your relationships will will help you every inch of the way. And I just wanted to use that as a segue to bring it back to the Disney Princess concert. What, what are a couple of things that that you're looking forward to in this show? I mean, you've been with the Broadway Princess Party. You've been doing it, you know, uh, you know, for about six years now, and now you land this huge, you know, national tour in this concert, and you get to be yourself on stage, which is different for a lot of performers, you know. So, what do, what do you what are you looking forward to about this concert? Yeah. I think the thing that I am most excited about is that it feels official now. Like this started as the little print, the little like concert that could at this nightclub in New York city. And we've been like, this could really become something we've developed a little thing. We have a little business. We're touring the country and playing comedy clubs. And now all of that work has paid off and it's like Disney official branded. And we are just elated. I have never done a tour before. So like that will be kind of exciting and fun and new for me. Like we're living on a bus. We're doing the thing. And Are you going to learn like, to knit? Are you going to learn to knit and crochet? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I think I'm going to, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It looks something productive to do on the bus. Um, but we're hitting like, you know, 84 cities. I'm not doing the entire tour, but I'm, ex- I'm so excited to launch this thing that has been my baby, our baby for six years. Um, to now officially be, you know, to that Disney audience to bring joy and these iconic songs and the qualities in these princesses that everybody has come to know and love and respect and be inspired by. Like we get to make up, we're gonna make a lot of people smile with this concert and I'm I'm really excited about it. And it's with people I love, you know, our team is, is super tight. We've been building this together for six years and it's, it just feels like the perfect, like, icing on the cake, cherry on top um, yeah. way to, to be launching this. It's really thrilling. Well, we, we talk about, you know, chemistry and auditions. The chemistry of you four women on stage is phenomenal. So we can't wait to see you perform in St. Petersburg and uh, best of luck on the tour. Happy anniversary as well for tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm not quite done with you yet, Laura. If you don't mind, I'd like to bring you back for our lightning round. Ooh, sounds fun. Let's do it. If you need music for an audition or a voice lesson, Performer Stuff's got you covered. PerformerStuff.com offers not only full music sheets, but also 32-bar and 16-bar cuts, pre-selected by our on-staff music directors with an intro and easy-to-read sheet for your accompanist. If you need some help practicing, you can download an audition bundle with the sheet music, a vocal lead, and practice track. Plus, the audio on the track matches the sheet music, so you can walk into your audition knowing exactly what to expect. As always, our search feature makes it easy for you to find what you're looking for. So when you need music, come check us out at performerstuff.com. Laura Osnes, are you ready for the lightning round? I am ready, Christian. Let's do it. All right. 15 questions. We'll go as fast as we can. Just looking for a gut reaction here. Question number one, first Broadway soundtrack you ever obsessed over? The last five years. Go-to song when singing in the shower? Uh, Over the rainbow? I don't know. (laughs) Cake or pie? Pie. Show you wish you could go back in time to be in? Oh, my fair lady. Who is someone that if they punched you in the face, you would not be mad? Julie Andrews, is there a theme here? (laughs) If you could do one show for the next five years, what would it be? Ooh, um, something fun, but not too hard, not too exhausting. So anything goes is out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Panting. Oh gosh. Oh, um, my dream role has always been Marion Peru in the Music Man. And I know it's coming to Broadway and I'm not doing it, but <laughs> maybe it would be Music Man. I love that show so much. <laughs> Sutton Foster's gonna need a replacement. You could totally do it. There you go. Sign me up. <laughs> Say good day, mate, in Australian accent. Good day, mate. Steven Sondheim is writing a musical about your favorite childhood toy. What is it? Oh, the uh, Fisher Price tape recorder with the microphone on it. The 80s. Anybody? I didn't write this question for you. I promise I ask everybody South Pacific or Oklahoma? South Pacific. (laughs) Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Sour Patch Kids. 
Which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? <laughs> llamas. Go-to cast album when on a road trip? Waitress. Duet you enjoy singing both parts to? Ooh, okay, first thing that popped in my head, this is so random. Um, it's called You Walk With Me from the Full Monty. It's actually two guys sing it in the, in, it's a duet. And I actually have a third harmony that I add to it. So I sing both and also often add my own female third harmony to it. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next superhero to have a Broadway musical. Oh, can, The Incredibles. Can we make The Incredibles a Broadway musical, please? You know what? I think Brad Bird, the, who directed that, kind of needs that on his resume. He's done some great movies. I think just the next logical step in his career is to, to direct a Broadway musical. Wouldn't that be so fun? We always joke that Susan Egan would be the, the designer. What's her name? Irma? Yeah. Yzma? What's yeah, no, no, Yzma's... Yzma's Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. Um, yeah. Oh. It, or, bad, oh. I know we're bad Disney fans. We're bad, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that would be all right. So I, I, I try not to jump in, but that was too good. That's a great answer. <laughs> all right. Final question. Okay. You're directing a show. Okay. I show up to audition. You haven't seen me sing, dance, or act. What do you typecast me as when I walk into the room? Um, with glasses, without glasses. Yeah. My first instinct is Daddy Warbucks because you're bald. Do you get that a lot? No, I don't actually. But if I could replace Anthony Warlow, then I'm game. Hey. Oh, Laura, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your silliness. And I, 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 like I said before, I, I can't wait to see you back on stage. And congratulations to you, to the team. And, and we look forward to, to more, more coming from you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and making this so fun, being so wonderful. Hopefully it's helpful and inspiring to all of your listeners. I think so <laughs> Thanks, too. Chris. You I know it is. <laughs> see you later. Bye. Join me, Mark Pawsey, your host for Pro Series on PerformerStuff.com with friends and colleagues from the entertainment world whom I've had the pleasure to work alongside during my illustrious show business career. Together in conversation, we share our knowledge, experiences, wisdom and passion for the arts. From Broadway in the West End to theme parks, cruise ships and everything in between, Pro Series will bring you tips on how we succeeded in this industry that we love and respect. Pro Series. Conversations with the Pros, brought to you by PerformerStuff.com. Laura Osnes, everybody. Isn't that great? Isn't she amazing? I told you, she's so nice and so talented. And obviously she knows how to crush auditions. So I hope you took notes. Or if you have to listen to this episode again, you know, make sure you're sharing this as well. Some other people can really benefit from Laura's advice. Now, we all might not be auditioning for our next roles in front of millions of people in a reality show, but a lot of those lessons, a lot of those lessons still apply. You know, wearing something to an audition that you feel comfortable and confident in, singing songs that you know and that you understand and, and that you love. So Laura, thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And we can't wait to see you share the stage with these other four incredibly talented women. You know, Make sure you're checking out DisneyPrincessConcert.com because they're doing 84 city tour. So it's coming somewhere near you. This phenomenal show with amazingly talented people, some songs that you love. It's going to be such a wonderful night for you to enjoy. DisneyPrincessConcert.com. Coming to a city near you, you do not want to miss it. And hey, if you need help with your next audition, make sure you're checking out PerformerStuff.com. Some great music. 16, 32 bar cuts if needed, monologues, advice, tips. It's all there, performerstuff.com, a wonderful resource for all of you to use. So who's coming on our show next week? Well, you're gonna have to check Facebook at In The Holding Room to find out. But Princess Month does continue and you're gonna love next week's episode. Until then, we'll see you next time in The Holding Room.